Hello and welcome to another episode of the Chalk Dinosaur Podcast. Coming to you live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is John O'Halloran, your host. I'm a music producer and composer. I release music under the name Chalk Dinosaur. I also perform uh, as Chalk Dinosaur, um, either by myself, uh, as a duo with me and my brother Nick, or as a full four-piece band with our friends Michael Berger and John Henderson. I've been, uh, you know, doing this podcast on and off, and, um, you know, uh, since I moved out of my Southside house, uh, it's really kind of uh, slowed down. I haven't given up on it yet. You know, I want to keep, I want to keep the record going. And, um, I also, you know, I feel like I have things I want to say about music production and ideas I want to share. And I also just want to, uh, you know, talk about the music, um, in the Chalk Dinosaur discography to, to, uh, you know, give a behind the scenes, you know, under the hood look at some of the songs, um, that I've made in case anybody out there, uh, is interested in one of these albums or songs and kind of likes to know more about the making of stuff like that. This episode is not going to be one of those. Um, I'm planning the next one of those out and I wanted to go a little more in depth with it than I have on the previous, uh, album, album chronicle episodes. So this episode, uh, is just a recap of, of the summer, all the things that have happened um, basically since the last episode, because this summer has really been really busy. At least it, it feels that way. Extra crazy one. Um, you know, the uh, post-COVID summer, you know, it was, at least in my life, it exploded. Um, and I felt like I had more things to do than I could fit, and it was a great summer, and, um, you know, I kind of just wanted to give an update on what, what Chalk Dinosaur has been up to, um, what I've been working on, that felt weird, like I was referring to myself in the third person, I wasn't doing that, but, um, I guess I was, um, but I kind of just meant Chalk Dinosaur, the entity, um, so I think the first, the first thing that happened in the summer was an album that I collaborated on got released in June. Um, there's a band called Lotus, which you may know, and one of their members, Luke Miller, he was working on his debut solo album and, uh, I reached out to him not knowing that he was working on this and I asked him like, uh, I I presented some kind of collaboration um, proposal that would require minimal work on his end or minimal time. That's kind of how I approached the collaboration with his brother, Jesse. Uh, I think the way I worded it was you know, do you have any ideas that you're not going to use or that you're not going to finish or like things, musical ideas you could send me that I could work on, um, to make into a a track, like ideas you've abandoned kind of is, I think how I framed it. Something that, you know, I think a lot of people who record music and write music, they have a lot of unfinished ideas. So I was basically, basically asking for one of those to see if, you know, he could just send me something that he wasn't really planning on doing anything with. And then I could see if that sparked some ideas in me. And it could be a form of passive collaboration where, you know, I'm sure he's very busy with his band and his side projects. So I wanted to collaborate with him, but not in a way that was going to demand a lot of time just to like increase the chances that, you know, he might be willing to work with me in some way that worked with Jesse. Um, he sent me some stuff he wasn't going to use. Jesse Miller, he's, if you don't know, he's the bass player of the band Lotus, which was, you know, a big influence on me and my brother and a lot of the people that uh, I'm friends with. Um, 
So I wanted to see if I could collaborate with him in some way. And so I asked him to send me something he had abandoned or wasn't planning on using to see if, you know, I could um, work on that and, you know, make a track out of it so we could have a collaboration. And he did. And that's how the track Cosmic Favor came to be. And so I tried that same approach with Luke. And instead of sending me abandoned ideas that he wasn't going to use, he got back to me and he said, you know, I'm working on my solo album and I have some tracks, um, you know, that I'm kicking around and he sent them to me. And I, I, um, I kind of, I, I brought his tracks, his ideas into, you know, my computer and I just kind of laid out or played a couple different ideas on it. Like some of them were vocal ideas. Some of them were synthesizer melodies. Some of them were like drums and percussion. Some were, yeah, I kind of just like worked with his idea, sent back the additional layers that I had come up with. And then he went through those and kind of picked the ones that he liked or that he felt fit the song. And that's kind of how that uh, collaborative process worked with him. It was all remote. Um, and yeah, it worked out. And um, he released his album in June. And uh, I was, you know, very happy and honored to have had a part in that and to have contributed to that. And um, hopefully you know, we'll do more later. So that was cool. Having worked in some capacity with, with him and with Jesse. And, um, yeah, I guess in, in other news, I hadn't mentioned anything about it because I didn't want to spill the beans, but, um, I got word earlier that their guitar player was retiring uh mike rempel who's been playing with the band for 20 years and they were looking for a replacement member um and i was auditioning for that and it got to let's see i they sent me some tracks with the guitar muted and i played over the tracks, they were like live recordings so they could get a sense of, you know, how my style and tone and everything would fit. And I sent that back and, and then they got back to me and said, you know, they wanted to, to fly me to Philly to, to play with the band. Um, kind of like a second round of interviewing, I guess. And at that point, then it started to seem like a real, real possibility that I could potentially, you know, do this if I, if I really put, put my heart into it. And, um, that was, that was a, a bit scary because of what a big commitment that would be to just the thought of, um, filling in for someone who had been a founding member of the band and just had been playing with them for 20 years uh, really big shoes to fill. One of those things where, um, I don't know. I just wasn't sure when it got to that point and it became like, Ooh, like I might actually be able to do this. Um, then I really had to think about if that's what I wanted to do. And it was, was very torn about it. Um, like, should I go after this or not? Because I, I had the feeling that that would be the kind of role that would require, you know, all of my dedication, you know, everything I had um, to do an adequate job. And at that point, that that's when I kind of pulled myself out of the consideration, out of the audition process, because I kind of had a realization um, over a lot of de deliberation uh, that, you know, I did not want to do that. Um, 
and I just, you know, I wanted to continue doing what I was doing, which I was happy doing, which is just making chalk dinosaur music and, you know, not, not touring too much. So, um, yeah, I felt a little, a little weird about that just because I, I didn't want it to seem like I was, I don't know, but that was really hard kind of thing to accept. Like, uh, you know, I don't, I actually don't want to do this. Um, but the idea was really exciting and like alluring at first. And this is not to say that I feel like, you know, I would have gotten it once I found out who they got to come in on guitar, which is Tim Palmieri of the band Kung Fu. Then I kind of was like, okay, I don't know if I would have had a chance against, against that guy. Cause he's, he's a much better guitar player. I think I could have brought some songwriting production, like uh, recording and just like compositional strengths um, that, that maybe would be unique to me. Um, you know, with keyboards, guitar, just like songwriting, I, I might, you know, might've had a unique kind of skill set in that regard. But in terms of just guitar playing, you know, that guy, that guy smokes me. So yeah, I think it, it worked out for the best. He's also a lot more seasoned in terms of his touring experience and just experience in general. Um, so I'm really happy with the way that all worked out and it, uh, it didn't affect, uh, the relationship, uh, with them at all. Um, since I, I felt very nice that they invited me to play at their music festival, which is called summer dance. And it's, it's a very cool, unique event. But anyway, yeah, that was that was that was tough and then I just to decide what I wanted. I mean, that's kind of the hard part with a lot of my life, but you know, that's not that's not such a bad thing. So anyway, I was happy to have worked on Luke's solo album with him a little bit. You know, he worked with a bunch of other people. Um and then in July this was like the first show back after COVID. It was Farm Jam Lama. This was, we played it as a full band. This was the first show with our new bass player, Michael Berger, who is, you know, a perfect fit. Um, because I've written music with him, The Chalk Reads, which is a, on the album Chalk Dinosaur and Friends. We wrote that together. That was the first time I really met him and spent any time with him. And then since then, since that song happened, you know, we've played together in several shows, either Chalk Dinosaur and his band, The Clock Reads, or one of our kind of combined shows where I pretty much just sit in with The Clock Reads and we play some of their songs, some Chalk Dinosaur songs, and then, you know, usually some kind of interesting cover, and then jam a good bit. Those were always, those were always interesting. Very cool, but I felt very out, uh, I felt like they're kind of in another league of, uh, music, like, understanding music theory, and just, like, they're playing, you know, I felt very uh, out of my weight class when I played with them, but it was cool. It's it, you know, I think it's true. It it really helps a lot to be around people who are, you know, more advanced or better at something than you, and that really just kind of accelerates your growth, and you learn a lot of things. You just absorb a lot of things. So, you know, it was a little out of my comfort zone, but it was good. And it paved the way for, for him to, uh, to join Chalk Dinosaur. And, you know, he's, he's learned the songs really well. And 
the last set we played together as a full band was at a festival called Hoot Nanny in the Hills in August. Just a, a very small camp out festival in West Virginia. And, you know, there weren't a lot of people in the crowd for that set, but it was, I thought it went, like, I thought we played really well and it was a really tight set and I was just really happy with the way that we played uh, at that one and the way, you know, I played as well, personally. That was that was an interesting show because, you know, there were really not many people at the stage when we played so, in a way, it was kind of, it relieved some pressure. So, we did something that we've not really ever done. I don't know. We, we might have, we might have done it before, like in an official set where we completely go into something with absolutely no plan. Like, we've jammed, you know, for, for certain shows but usually we've got a little bit of something to go off. Like someone's got a riff or we've got, we've got some kind of nugget to kind of propel, uh, launch the jam. But this one didn't have any, any plan. And we felt okay doing that because it was a very low pressure situation. Like if we bombed it, like wouldn't have mattered all that much. Um, just cause you know, it wasn't like there was, huge crowd of people who paid a lot of money to see us um so it was kind of nice for that and the jam went well and it you know kind of drives home the uh the idea that you know if you're relaxed and um you're, you're just more able to get into the moment and enjoy the moment and and i did and it was uh it was the set was was fun but anyway yes Farm Jamalama in July, July 9th. That was the first set with Michael Berger. Went really well. There was one mishap where uh, for some of our songs, we have, I mean, for a lot of our songs, we've got, you know, loops and tracks, like backing tracks playing that are doing things that, you know, we don't have enough hands for, like, uh, like piano or keyboard or synth stuff. Like if I want to have that, kind of atmosphere and like body going on but I also want to be playing guitar you know I'll put it on a loop or a track and then we will synchronize that with our playing so there was there was one time where um we ended but I it like was out of sync with the loop or something and the loop kept playing and it was it was a little weird it was a little awkward but I don't think it, you know, it was like five seconds. So I, I hopefully, you know, it didn't ruin anybody's night. Um, oh yeah. You know, another interesting thing about farm jam this year, which was, it was a great weekend. Um, it was a little lighter. It, it didn't really feel like there were less people, but there definitely were, there was a lot more space camping. So we, for the first time we camped down near the barn where the stage is, and usually it's it's a little too crowded down there so we you know we go further away but this year you know there's a lot more room so that was really nice just being that close to the stage for for loading in loading out usually we have to <laughs> hike up and down the uh there's a massive hill and we camp at the top of it just because it's real quiet you got a nice view but um yeah it was it was great but I was in a lot of pain for that show because I don't know what happened, but it, I might have done something while I was loading up the car on my way there or setting up the camp or something. But the term threw your back out, like, I feel like that is what happened. And I feel like that could mean a whole lot of different things. But after we set up our camp, my back started to hurt and then within about half an hour, I couldn't bend forward at all. Like I couldn't hinge my hips forward, um, or like curve my back at all without, you know, enough pain to like stop me from being able to do that. So, you know, for the rest of the day, 
really the only comfortable position was like laying down um, or standing straight up. And if I had to like pick anything up off the ground, I had <laughs> I had to do like a a lunge or like a squat, but I had to keep my torso completely vertical because I whatever I did like kept me from being able to bend in any way. So that was a big challenge, but I got some help from my girlfriend Alyssa, from our friend Tim, from John Henderson and Nick and uh, Michael just helping me move stuff and like get set up. That was a bit of a daunting task, daunting set to play just because I've felt very limited. But it went well. And then on Saturday, we played on Friday. And on Saturday, after the last band played, they saw their instruments set up and a spontaneous jam session broke out. And I started playing drums and some, there were like members from, you know, like four other bands from that weekend. And we were all, you know, interchanging and playing different instruments. And that was, that really was such a fun time. That, that moment of time where that spontaneous jam was going on with all these different people, that kind of felt like, you know, the spirit of farm jam right there. Um, and it was a great time and we played pretty much till the sun came up. And yeah, that was that was awesome. Another thing that I was doing in July was an Instagram, um, kind of like an, an effort to engage the audience on Instagram. Um, because, you know, I'd been following a couple Instagram channels. Um, this guy, his name is Ian Hits Drums from Erie, and he posts you know instagram length videos of him playing beats and like doing interesting things on his drums just like short videos but they're captivating and you know he's been very regular with it for years it seems like i'm not exactly sure how long but you know he's been very consistent with it and i've watched his audience like his followers um uh, just increase you know, tenfold. Um, and then there are a couple other, a couple other uh, people I see that are creators on Instagram. They just make these short videos of them making music or beats or, or doing something. And um, they have so many followers. And uh, I kind of was just curious. Uh, I was feeling like, you know, maybe... Maybe I should try that and see what happens. And so that's what I was doing for July. Things got real busy in August, so I I kind of stopped um, with that. But in July, I was, I was trying to do like every day. It ended up, it might have averaged out to, you know, every other day. Uh, I, would, I would upload a video of, you know, just a short snippet of music that I made that day and you know I could see how that would be very powerful like it, it definitely had a, a good effect and I ran into a number of people who um, commented on it you know in person like at shows and at farm jam people came up and said you know I love the videos that you've been making keep doing that so that was cool. And as I'm saying this now, I feel like I said this in the last podcast. So uh, 
I guess since that one though, I, I had uh, two collaboration videos that were that were cool. Um, one of them, I I was able to get Eli uh, Winderman Winderman of Dopapod to collaborate on a video with me, and that was super cool. I just sent him I sent him some very basic tracks like a shaker like a percussion track yeah, that's what I, I made like a, a groovy drum beat with percussion and then i played like this very minimal you know rhythm guitar part and then he added a bunch of stuff to it and put the video together and that was awesome because he's he's my favorite uh keyboard player so that was really cool just to kind of have that kind of uh make that kind of connection and then another guy that I had never met hit me up and, you know, wanted to do a video. His name is Manu, I'm going to butcher his last name, Gajanan, Manu G. But he is a keyboard player and um, he plays in a band called the Stone Throwers from Pittsburgh, which I mixed and mastered. I mixed one of their songs and then I mastered two of their songs. So I've, I've worked with them like kind of remotely, but I'd never... Um, you know, played with any of them before. And he came over. I didn't know what to expect. And just as soon as his keyboard turned on, he was just playing. Everything he played was awesome. And every, like, it took like two seconds to, to be like, oh, that's a cool idea. You know, let's record that and build on that. And it was awesome. It turned into a really great track and I'm excited to finish it. I got to finish all of these um, video ideas that I started. Um, and, you know, over all this time, starting in spring, April, I've been working on an album. It's been taking me a lot longer than usual just because I guess I've just been busy. But um, it's it's an album that is like beach inspired beach themed um kind of kind of old school a little bit but also it, it, that's how I was going into it but then you know some of it ended up turning out not the way I had thought it would but I really liked it and it's a pretty short album but um my girlfriend got me a steel drum and a ukulele so I thought I would try to make some music with that. Um, kind of use, let those tones kind of guide me into some music. And so that's what this album is all about. It's going to be called Fire on the Beach. And it's probably going to be coming out October, November. It's pre I think it's, it's pretty much done. Like yesterday, I pretty much finished up everything I had to finish. I have the album art. Um... Yeah, so maybe maybe sooner. I don't know. I I think I want to try to get it on a Spotify playlist, one of the you know the the title track. And you have to kind of send that in a little bit more in advance. So my usual method is just to, as soon as it's done, I just upload it. And uh, but that is uh, you know I want to try to try to get it on a playlist because from what I've heard and from what I've seen in other people's music and in my own, if you, if you have a song on a popular playlist that can just be extremely powerful. Like my, my top song now is a song that not many people knew before, but somebody put it on their playlist, which had, you know, a lot of followers. It was a song called don't worry that I released in 2015. And now that one's got 40 or 50,000 plays and that's uh that's because of that playlist so i think i need to try it out
at the end of July, we got invited to play a festival called The Workout, which is very special to me and to Nick and to our former bass player, Andrew Belcastro. It's a music festival in Ohio at this venue called Legend Valley, which is uh, one of my favorite concert venues. So close, accessible. The stage sounds amazing. Um, The crowd is always super fun there. And um, we went to our first workout in 2014. And at that time, I was on a pretty extended hiatus from performing. I was still recording, working on music a lot, but just uh, not performing. Um, and that festival inspired me and Nick and Andrew to to play, and it really like shaped our trajectory. And the kind of it, we just heard so much music that that inspired us there. Had so many inspiring and just really fun times at that festival at that venue and we we kind of always talked about like oh wouldn't it be awesome to get to to play that and um you know what what is this uh, seven years later we got to do it it was awesome um i got an email like maybe a month before the festival from the drummer of the works who is the talent buyer and the like the curator guy who runs the festival and the venue and he asked if we wanted to play and unfortunately michael berger and john henderson were unavailable to do that uh it was pretty short notice but fortunately um me and nick were available to do it and uh we have a set that we play as a duo that we're, you know, comfortable with. So we did that as a duo. Um, we played, we were the last show of the festival. So Saturday night, 2.45 a.m. I was kind of expecting, like, the crowd to have dwindled and maybe people thinking about what they have to do tomorrow. But I was wrong. And I should have known, based on my experiences there, that People don't stop until it's over. So (laughs) the late night show was, it was packed. It it felt like playing to a full house at, you know, three in the morning, which was awesome. And um, I got to have conversations with some of the members of Papadozio who have been, you know, another influence and inspiration. And, you know, I've had a lot of really great experiences to, their shows and their music it's been a pretty big part of um my life since you know 2014 2013 and so that was cool getting to meet them i saw the dopapod guys walking around but i didn't i didn't initiate a conversation just because i it just never felt like the right time to me and i didn't want to be uh i didn't want to be weird so i just didn't you know, hopefully I'll get another chance. But um, yeah, that was that was great. I was wiped out after that weekend. And then a couple weeks later, we played at the Thunderbird in Pittsburgh with a band called Yam Yam from Harrisburg, I think. Altoona, somewhere in central PA. And um, this was the first Pittsburgh show we had played in... 18 months or something over a year. So it was, uh, it had been a long time since we'd played in Pittsburgh and, um, the show turned out really great. Um, some people in the crowd that I know said that the sound was really well mixed. You know, they could hear everything, uh, very well, really clearly. And I felt like we played a good set and, there were a lot of people there. I was so happy to see that because uh, I wasn't sure what it was going to be like. Um, given that we hadn't played in Pittsburgh in 18 months and it was awesome. Uh, I felt like I, I, I was in a room full of just people that I knew and people I was friends with and it was great. 
and uh, Yam Yam was was very good and fun to watch as well. Very nice, fun to talk to. You know, uh, potentially, you know, we could do something uh, in their hometown sometime. That's how these things work sometimes. And then, uh, yeah, the next festival was Hootenanny in the Hills, which I kind of already went over. Um, thank God it didn't rain because there was a lot of our gear was exposed just sitting out in the grass for a while because um, there was no covered, like, loading area. So thank God for that. But the the set itself went really good. We There were actually two sets for that festival. The first set on Friday was with the full band and then on Saturday I did a solo set on their other stage and that went well I was a little concerned because um well my friend Sean Howard was there so that was that was very comforting um he made sure that you know everything was set up good for me and took care of me and uh did the sound for our band, did a good job. But uh, it was interesting. Like, on that stage on Friday, that was some of the most clear, good stage sound I've had, which was... I wasn't expecting that. Um, it was like I could hear everything so well. It wasn't too loud. It wasn't too quiet. It was It was really, really great. At least, like, where I was standing, I could I could hear everything so good, and it was just, just right. So... Good job, Sean, and um, good job for whoever else was responsible for that. Saturday, I was a little worried because the I was playing on the other stage, which was like the DJ stage. So it was set up for DJs, which if you're a DJ, the only connections that the sound person needs to make is just a, a stereo connection, just like one line. And I was not doing a DJ set. I was doing like a live set. So, you know, I had a guitar and I had like a talk box with vocals and it was the, the sound guy was a little, um, a little worried cause he had never done that before. He'd only, you know, just done sound at, at DJ kind of, um, gigs. But, uh, yeah, he did a good job. It sounded good out there and, uh, Everything worked out. The last festival of the summer that we played, or no, okay, not we, but I uh, played Summer Dance, which was Lotus's festival. Um, I would have liked to have played a full band set, but um, they requested just a straight-up DJ set which as I said before is just, you know, one connection. I'm just playing music out of my computer um, because they wanted to keep the production simple. And I was a little uncomfortable with that because I don't normally do DJ sets in situations like that where you're on a stage and people are looking at you as a performer. I've DJed before, but it's been like I'm off to the side People aren't really paying attention to me. I'm just playing the music, setting the vibe for the room. And, but I've never done it as like a, people are like looking at me performing on a stage, you know, with performers, but I'm, I'm DJing and like, I'm used to being on stage and like playing something or like doing more. And I'm also pretty new to DJing. So it's, it's just out of my comfort zone, but it was a, I was a little worried about it. Um, but it turned out really good. Uh, the response was awesome. A lot of people, you know, came up and recognized me and told me, you know, they either love my music or they, you know, the set was one of their favorites or something like that. So I was, I was very happy that people enjoyed it. Um, despite my reservations and that's not all that festival probably the more crazy and awesome part for me was that I was my DJ set was right before Lotus who, who were you know the main event 
headlining. They play for like three hours uh, for three nights. And so on Friday night, um, a couple weeks before the festival, Jesse emailed me and asked me if I'd be interested in sitting in with them um, and playing this Commodore's cover, which is called Machine Gun. Um, and I said yes. And it's only a two-minute song, so we we played. The plan was to play the song and then just go into a jam and improvise. And you know, I was very flattered that they would um, invite me on stage to do that because we've never played together before. Like they've, we've never improvised together, or you know, I mean, playing a cover is one thing because you can just learn it, but improvising, you know, you really have to trust the people you're up there with to not, you know, mess it up, I guess. So that was my goal. Don't mess it up. Just there's five other guys up here. You know, if you don't know what to play, just don't play anything kind of thing. But it turned out good. Like the, there were moments that I thought, ah, this is like, I like what I'm playing. I like how this is all sounding as a group. This is cool. And then there are other parts where I kind of ran out of steam and I'm like, I wasn't sure exactly what to do. But overall, it went. I, I was really happy with how it went, and it was so cool to be able to see what it's like to be on stage with them, and you know, have this sold-out festival crowd in front of you, and getting to improvise and play with uh, one of my, you know, big influences. Um. So that was that was awesome. And that's not all, because after the Lotus show, it, that ends at like 11, 11.30, it, which is kind of early for a festival. And then after the main stage shuts down, people all over the woods, which it's a state park campground around a lake. So there's people all around in the woods camped and they set up their own music so, and people go all out. It's crazy. Um, I had never seen anything like it. People bring generators. They set up like huge lighting, you know, fixtures, not fixtures, but you know, they like light up their campsite. They, some people do bring lighting fixtures. They set up instruments, you know, like full band setup or like a DJ stage. People just like make their own stages and music setups in the woods. It's so cool. And, my friends in Shaq Nicholson, which is a Pittsburgh band that I mixed and mastered their album, uh, they did that. They set up a jam stage in the woods by their campsite, and uh, I went there afterwards and got to got to play with uh, with them and, and Nick and Berger, Michael Berger. And also my cousin Bobby, who appears uh, in many moments in Chalk Dinosaur music. For instance, the song called Fosters. He is the guy who does the beatboxing in the beginning in the song July 24th. He's the guy, there's, there's a section of that song that has vocals in it, kind of like a scat vocal, followed by like a beatboxing thing, and that's him. Um... I forget what the other song's called. He just like pops up at random times in uh, in my music. Um, so he was there, and I had brought a PA speaker and a mic because I wanted him to be able to get on the on the jams uh, because he's a he's a really talented vocalist. Um, he's really good on the mic, and. He's a great performer, great improviser, and uh, he's just got so much charisma. Um, I thought he would have a really fun time, and, and people would also have a very fun time watching and listening to him, and it was awesome. I, I loved to see that. That was so cool to see him and Nick, Michael Berger, and the Shaq Nicholson guys uh, improvising together. That was so cool. One of my favorite memories from Summer Dance was... I think it might have been Saturday. You know, we were all hanging out at the campsite. Um, 
you know, taking a breather, just relaxing. And it, it was almost time. Oh yeah, it was Saturday. It was almost time for Lotus is set to start. So we needed to uh, make our way to the stage area, which is, you know, a short walk away. Maybe, I don't know, half a mile. So we started walking to the stage and we had these percussion instruments with us because we were kind of just um, playing around at the campsite, making little percussion beats and stuff. And um, so we were like jamming on the percussion instruments, walking to the stage. And it was, it was so interesting. People, people just like congregated around that sound of like, you know, the shaker and like um, this rattle thing, like uh, that sound. People just congregated around us playing that as we were walking. And by the time we got to the stage, there was like a large crowd of people all walking together um, that kind of grew. Like people kept like joining the, it was like a parade. It was, it was amazing. Unless I was just in my head, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> We started a parade with, with our percussion on the way to the stage, and it felt very cool. Very cool experience. But um, yeah, that, that was it for summer. I'm just uh, I'm wrapping up this album, getting ready to release it. I mean, it's really, it's really I'm 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 in the home stretch right now. And um, another thing I'm doing is through those Instagram videos that I was doing in July, and just kind of being on Instagram, I started getting all these ads for sample packs which I'm a connoisseur of I love I love getting new sample packs and you know new drum sounds and stuff like that and um, so I started getting ads for it I started seeing a couple of the same ones a lot so I kind of investigated and it seems like something I need to try because it seems like there's a market for it it's a product that I have the ability to make, uh, that I feel like I could make a good product. And the only thing I don't know how to do is market and sell it, which, you know, that'll be the challenge. Making the product is, you know, that's my bread and butter, you know, making audio. So I really want to try that because it seems like it can be pretty lucrative. Uh, there's a lot of producers out there. And if you're selling these sample packs, which aren't that big, by the way, you know, it's like 10 kicks, 10 snares, 10 hi-hats, it's not a lot. It's not like a thousand samples or something. It's it's like a you know small batch. You selling them at you know thirty five bucks a download. You know you sell uh, eight thousand, and uh, you make almost three hundred thousand dollars. So I need to at least try. And because it's a it's an actual product that I you know feel like I could do a good job making, have the means to make so. I'm going to see how that goes. I've been working on my first pack, drum pack, and it's going to be called Punch Funk Love. It's kind of a, you know, play on the phrase punch junk love, but they're going to be punchy, funky, punchy drums for, you know, the electronic funk producer uh, or for the electronic producer. I don't know. I'll have to figure out exactly how I'm going to, you know, sell it, but they're going to be punchy, tight drums for, you know, slamming funky beats and then i think the key will be i'm gonna make gonna make some really good demo videos um and i've been seeing how other people are doing it so i i feel like i ha there's a there's a road map i just need to you know focus and do it stick with it keep making products and keep trying to figure out how to sell them and hopefully that can be a good source of passive income at some point because, you know, once you make the product, you know, you don't have to do any support or maintenance or it's not like running a class or something where you have to like 
interact and, and like, um, you just don't have to do anything uh, after you make it other than, you know, sell it and market it. At least not that I know of, you know, I haven't done this before, so, but I'm sure I will be, uh, letting everybody know when it's done in case anybody's interested and yeah. So those were all the shows and aside from the shows, I feel like I'd, I just went to a lot of different places this summer, went on a camping backpacking weekend trip to Dolly Sods in West Virginia with my older brothers and their friends. That was super fun. I went to uh, West Virginia to my my best friend Steve. His uh, He's got a, a lake house on Cheat Lake, which is, you know, I've got so many childhood memories there. Such a awesome spot. And that was awesome. Just going out on the, going out on the lake. Just hanging out, drink a million beers. That was great. Um, saw the Wood Brothers at uh, Heartwood Acres. That was the first time I've really listened to them. I, I I feel like I've probably heard some of their hits, but I never you know listened to a record from them or seen them play. And that show was awesome. I I really enjoyed that. Uh, I saw my friend Zach Wiesinger perform with his band misaligned mind and uh that is always a spectacle i mean for one reason he's one of the most unique and talented and awesome guitar players i've ever seen and two he's always doing some kind of stunt so for this show he was playing the solo i think it was to they were playing like a Jimi hendrix song and (laughs) during the guitar solo he climbed a tree with his guitar on and like continued soloing from the tree. And uh, yeah, he's a good climber. Went to Utah to see me and Nick, my brother. We went to go visit our friend Andrew in Salt Lake City, where he's living now. That was awesome. We went uh, went camping by the Duchesne River. And, you know, he just showed us around Salt Lake City. And it was a great, great spot. Salt Lake is, uh, you know, it's kind of like on the down low version of, you know, parts of Colorado, just a little less congested, I guess, or populated. Shaq Nicholson, Pittsburgh band, great, great group of people, love those people, and saw them at the Thunderbird in September. That was very fun. And I went to Florida, visited some family in uh, Satellite Beach, kind of, which is near Cocoa Beach, Orlando area. Did some, did a ton of fishing because my, my cousin, who's, he's in ninth grade. He's a, he's like a fishing nut. He's obsessed with fishing, which is interesting because when I was, you know, a little younger than him, probably middle school, I was obsessed with fishing in the same, in the same kind of way where like any free time, I had, like, I wanted to be either, like, reading fish books or fishing or, like, going to catch bait or something. So that was cool. There's so much life in the water in that area of Florida. It was amazing. So many, like, massive schools of bait fish, and then you'd see these big tarpon and snook and sharks just, like, flying out of the water, eating these big clouds of bait fish. Um, we took a boat ride on some of the rivers that like lead out into the ocean and, you know, saw a bunch of dolphins and cool birds. It was, uh, it was awesome. I was, I was tuckered out after that weekend, but I was happy I got to see, um, that family, which is, uh, on my dad's side. I haven't, had the chance to hang out with them in a while so it was good to get to see them and then last week we went to uh, me and my girlfriend Alyssa went to go see Tame Impala in Washington DC and visit my brother and sister-in-law Tame Impala that was that was really great and I I just love his music and um 
his production and songwriting. It was a it was a great show. I haven't seen a show like that in a while because I've been seeing you know mostly all you know jam music. So that was cool to see more of like a songwriter oriented show with a lot of vocals and just the visuals were insane for that show. Like the, the production was crazy. They had a, they kind of used like every element of visual stimulation available. They had a massive projection screen with like some really awesome video that they were projecting, you know, in sync with their songs and they also had a bunch of awesome lasers, which, like, I forgot how awesome lasers are. Um, and then they, you know, had a sweet lighting rig. And one of the pieces of the lighting rig was, like, this giant circular rotating UFO-looking thing that, like, moved around. It was, uh, it was quite the visual experience. And it's it the sound too. I mean, like I, I love I loved the sound and the performance. It was really dramatic and you know emotional, very uh, very moving. It was great. And um, oh man, I I looked up a video after that show. I think I was just looking him up on YouTube, and there was a video promotion for one of his albums and you know it was from 2014 or 15 or something and the videos of him in his home studio like kind of making this song just piece by piece and it's cut together real quick so it's not like a long drawn out video it's just like you know he gets on the bass and plays a, a bass line and he loops it and then he like gets on the drums and does a drum beat and it's a sweet it's a sweet song but his recording setup is like my new favorite thing um his house i think it's in australia and it's beachfront and like two of the walls were like completely glass like so it almost looked like he was outside but he was in his home studio which looked like a living room looked super comfortable there was like a it looked like you know there's just instruments it wasn't like the traditional type of home studio where you see like it's all centered around the computer which is like what mine is now this one was like there's a couch and a table and like it looked like a normal room but there were you know big speakers and like instruments around uh, it was it looked so relaxing and chill i would uh you know i would like that that seems like it would be very expensive but you know it could happen and then I got one more trip going to Denver to visit my other brother and sister-in-law Friday. This will be the uh, the end of the traveling for the time being. And I'm uh, looking forward to getting to spend some time with them. And we're going to go see a show at Red Rocks. Uh, he's into... Like a lot of folky and bluegrass and like roots Americana type of music. So one of the bands that he liked a lot was called Mandolin Orange. They changed their name to Watchtower recently. But that's who we're going to go see at Red Rocks. So that should be interesting. Another vocally oriented, song oriented uh, performance. And, you know, I'm sure if it's at Red Rocks, um, they're going to be putting everything they got into it and and it's probably going to be you know a special show so i'm looking forward to that and then i'm looking forward to not having anything on my schedule except for making albums you know doing work getting paid trying to just uh bolster my acoustic treatment in the studio really hunkered down and um really hit the uh hit the music hard um but yeah that's it this this really uh turned into quite a long podcast oh you know what i can't not mention a couple of the other things i saw this summer 
Um, another Pittsburgh producer, Picasso. Uh, me and my girlfriend saw him in Market Square. That was like one of the first music events that we were able to go to. And that was super fun. It was like a nice day out in May. He was playing, he was DJing, and um, it was cool. I saw Mars Jackson, who I did a couple songs with. He's a hip-hop artist from Pittsburgh, so it was cool to get to see him. He gave me a vinyl of his record, which was very nice. Then the next day at the Thunderbird, we saw a group called Northside Organ Trio, which it's kind of a... um, the guitar player, Glenn Struther, I'm familiar with, and I know him from, he played in Starship Mantis, and he's played in his own project for a while, and I, you know, I've seen him playing with, playing around Pittsburgh a lot, and he's really good, so he's, he's the guitar player. The drummer was Steve Ippolito, who was formerly of The Clock Reads, really great drummer, and then the third guy is this organ player named Skip, who I got to meet at Farm Jam. And he just plays the tastiest organ. Uh, it was it was a great show. It was like um, it was the first show in the Thunderbird I'd been to in forever. And there was seating. It was like socially distanced seating. Um, you had to wear a mask in there, and it was just like a very relaxed show, which was great. Fit the uh, fit the vibe of the music perfectly. And, um, yeah, then this wood artist from Pittsburgh named Sub Sanctuary, if you find him on Instagram, he makes these, he's got some kind of intense, like, wood router and makes these really crazy designs on wood, and, uh, they're really cool. I love his work, and he threw an event called the Daytime Disco, there were three of them. We were we were only able to go to one, but it was in uh, Shenley Park. They just had uh, Shaq Nicholson played, and then they had a couple DJs, and that was really that was great because that was also in the time in May where like these were like the first events that that I was able to go to, and I was able to. Um, see people playing music i was able to you know see some of my friends that you know i the people that i see at shows a lot and people that i play with just this whole community of people that i enjoy seeing and being around but you know wasn't able to um see them or be around them during the covid times which we are still in but um yeah, that was cool. I, it, yeah, but yeah, I, I gotta say, I'm uh, I'm tuckered out here now. In uh, the end of September, I'm ready to ready to not leave the basement for for a couple months and just uh, blast out content, high quality content. You know, well, we'll see. We'll see about that, but. Um, Yes, it was an action-packed summer, and I'm ready for fall. No, I'm not ready for fall. Not ready. But, um, yeah, I'm going to try to keep this podcast rolling, just crawling along right now, but I'm going to try to get back to it with an album, album stories episode. The next one will be about the EP called Service. And, uh, yeah, I hope you have a good night. Uh, favorite podcast of late, the UBK Happy Fun Time Hour. It's it's very, like, directed towards audio production stuff, but it's not too technical and dry. Like, it's, it's funny, and uh, they have a lot of good insights on not only music production, but life and communication and working with other people. It's... Uh, I'm obsessed with that podcast. And uh, I hope y'all have a good night, a good day, whatever you're doing. 
Hope you hope you do it well. Hope you feel good. Hope you let any of that negative energy that the world throws at you. Hope you just let that roll right off your back. Don't even give it a second thought. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what makes you feel good. Because that's that's gonna be what's gonna propel you to the place where you wanna be, where you're happy and you're fulfilled. And you're living the life you wanna live right now and you're not putting off your present happiness and satisfaction and fulfillment for some hypothetical future scenario that may or may not ever arrive. So you gotta live your life right now, right here. You gotta live it the way you wanna live it. As much as you can, keep doing those things that give you joy in your life and don't succumb to the negative hold world and social media and the news outlets trying to instill fear and anger in your soul and try to pitch you against your brothers and sisters. No, don't do that. Don't do that. But maybe if you're hungry, get yourself a bowl of hot and spicy shin ramens. It's a Korean spicy noodle. You can buy them on Amazon but they're so good. Cause they're loaded with MSG and spices And it tastes so good It makes you wanna never go to sleep Because you just wanna have one more bowl Of those spicy shin ramens.